If you know anything about me, I love physical media. And I have a huge collection of movies on various formats, from VHS to DVD to Blu-ray, so much more. And there's nothing like the rush you get when holding that DVD or Blu-ray in your hands of that remastered release of that movie you haven't seen in like 20 years, or that film you've only read about, and now Scream Factory puts it out, and now it's yours forever. And I cannot wait, I cannot wait to rip open, rip into that plastic wrap and remove the protective sticker. It's always the first thing I do. It doesn't matter if I, if I got it in the mail and plan on watching it right away, or if I, if I found it at a convention and I won't be home for like two or three days and I won't get to watch it, I'll still open it right away. That's true. And usually I'll sniff it. He does that. However, there are times that maybe I buy like a bulk of movies or I get a gift or whatever the case may be and I don't get around to opening it right away. And it gets kind of put up on the shelf, stays there wrapped for maybe years. <laughs> well, <laughs> not anymore. On this episode of the Attack of the Killer podcast, we are unwrapping our forgotten treasures that collect dust on the DVD shelves and find out if they were worth, worth the price we paid. It's the great unwrapping of 2019 on this episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer What's up? What's up, yo? Welcome to a very special episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast, where we confront Tad about his addiction to diet pills that he started taking while staying up all night cramming for his exam. Also on this episode, we'll be doing something a bit different. We'll be picking a movie from our collection that we have yet to open and and or have never watched, and we will watch them and discuss them. Now, if this is your first time with Attack of the Killer podcast, we will be gentle, and we'll, we'll use plenty of lube. <laughs> we are a horror movie podcast in which a group of friends from all over the world, from Nebraska to Iowa to That's another part of Iowa, and we get together <laughs> and we talk about horror movies centered around a specific topic. This show, among many others, can be heard on our very own podcast network. Like It's like my mother always used to say, I should have used the pill. And she would also always say, if you want something done right, do it yourself. So we did it. We did it! It's called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Now, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network is home to a total of 12, count them, 1, 2, 3, 12 shows all within the common goal in providing the most kick-ass discussions in entertainment. So check out all the shows at the pfpn.com. That's pfpn.com. The pfpn.com. The pfpn.com. Also, this show is sponsored by Shudder. Shudder is your online streaming service for everything horror. It's Netflix for horror. From classics to new films to Joe Bob Briggs to Shudder original content, 
It's the channel that horror fans have been waiting for, and you can get Shudder for only $4.99 a month or $49.99 for an entire year. Now, Attack of the Killer Podcast is going to hook you up with your first month for free. You heard me free! Whoa. <clears throat> All you have to do is go to Shudder.com backslash podcast and type in our very own special promo code AOTKP. And you can check it out for a full month on us. So, again, go to Shudder.com backslash podcast under the promo code AOTKP, which spells <laughs> And we also have a new Patreon supporter! Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's give it up, everybody, for Brett J. Royer. What's up, Brett? How's it going, Brett? Hey, Brett. Thank you. Really Thank you, Brett. Brett, I wrote you a poem. Aw. Brett, he is so super duper cool. He does not even ever drool. He does not pee in the pool. If you don't like Brett, you're a fool. Because Brett is bitching. <laughs> That's good. It's <laughs> really good. Thank you. It's one of your better ones. <clears throat> now, if you're wondering, how can I be as cool as Brett? All you have to do is to become a supporter of our show through Patreon. So go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP and select your tier, and you can be as cool as Brett and get a shout out on the show, as well as hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of bonus material. From everywhere from like videos to special bonus episodes. So that's patreon.com backslash AOTKP. And maybe I'll write a poem. Good luck trying to be as cool as Brett. Yeah, good luck. But thanks, Brett. <clears throat> Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we really do appreciate it. And you will have your very own special bonus episode coming up here yep. soon, too. So be on the lookout for that. So... Now I think it's time to get on with the show, but I can't do it alone. So it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He has a TV show where he shows off his balls. Not like that. Come on, people, grow up. It's called Bowling for Bollinger. Jason Bollinger, everybody. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. Cartoon Network approached him about doing a show about his life. It's called Wassum the Awesome Possum. Andy Wassum, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I've, ne I've never heard those put together. That's your 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 poetry is beautiful. <laughs> so if we haven't figured it out, I'm just playing with everybody's names. Huh. He had a show where he would catch pedophiles, interview them, and have them arrested, but it was canceled right away. I don't know why. Maybe it was the title. It was called Good with Pedophiles. Tad Good, everybody. Hey, speaking of, Chris Hansen just got arrested for writing $30,000 in bad checks. So uh, I saw that, yeah. Yeah. Very on topic. That's what I do. Uh-huh. That's what you do. <laughs> I'm going to need you to sit down. <laughs> You're going to have to have a seat here. <laughs> anyways. Uh, anyways, so that's enough of my app, and I'm going to turn it over to Tad. 
All right. Everyone's favorite segment, What We Watched, where we talk about what we've watched in the past oh, couple weeks since we last recorded that isn't part of the regular episode. And I'm going to go with Andy first this week. What did you watch? Well, um, it's I've only got three things that I watched, but one was the complete season of uh, Punisher, season two. I binged the shit out of that. Oh, is that I out? It, shit, I, I missed it. I got it right out of the way. And I'm probably feeling a little bit depressed because all I've done is look at a screen. But it's actually <laughs> it's actually really, 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 really good. I, I enjoy the character and uh, John... Berthenol. I hope, hopefully, I'm saying that correctly. He he does a very good Frank Castle. So, oh yeah, he does. Um, I actually rewatched, uh, and I've seen it a bunch of times. I saw it a bunch of times when I was a kid, and uh, Danielle hadn't seen it in a really long time. And I wa- rewatched uh, Ridley Scott's Legend. Ooh, which which I yeah. Absolutely, I absolutely love that. Um, there's the version that I have is the ultimate edition, and you can watch the European version, which has the Gary uh, Jerry Goldsmith uh, soundtrack, or you can watch the theatrical version, which has the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. And I am a fan of both people, so I get to experience, you know, the movie. Two different ways, which is really kind of cool. Plus, the Euro- European version is, is just a little bit longer. So, yeah, it's just got little bells and whistles here and there. So, I uh, I also watched uh, a movie called Radius, which would have been me too. Probably, which would have been on this uh, this episode had I know what this episode was going to be about, because this was in my to-do list but yeah radius uh really really cool premise that i liked about it which is basically about a guy who wakes up after a car wreck and anything that he gets close to basically that has a heartbeat he gets within if it gets within 50 feet of him it just keels over and dies so he has to stay away from anything that's that's living uh or anything that has a heartbeat, basically. No, no, it's nothing organic. Like he doesn't kill grass or trees or shrubs and any, or any of that shit. But uh, yeah, until a woman comes along and she knocks on his door and you know is able to get close to him, and then they you know try to figure out why is it that this happened to him. So I, I would recommend it because it's it's just a it's a neat little movie. It, it's it's kind of another one of those hidden gems, but. That's what I watched. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Jason, what did you watch? I too watched Radius. I forgot about it because I didn't put it in my letterbox, but thanks for reminding me. It was super cool. Um, and then, I mean, I watched First Man and Bad Times at Del Royale, but those aren't really horror. So un- until you reminded me of Radius, I really only have one horror movie. I watched this. Time I know slacking. I know, right? But I finally caught uh, the 2016 The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Mm. And that was it's on Netflix now, right? Yep, and it's fucking great. It's got the Brian Cox and the Emil Hirsch. Mm. 
And I do like the cocks. Yeah. What? <laughs> yep. Um, it was super fantastic. A father and son, both coroners, pulled into a complex mystery while attempting to identify the body of a young woman who is apparently harboring dark secrets. I know, right? Um, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Uh, you, have you guys seen it? I feel like I'm no, late. It's been on my it's been on I, my list forever. Yeah, I'm a little late to that party too. But I've definitely seen it, you know, in queues and stuff like that. So. Yeah, definitely recommend it. It's it's pretty badass, pretty scary, pretty spooky. And it's funny because uh, I've seen some like clickbait articles about it as if it's <clears throat> a new Netflix release. I don't think you. People realize that it's been out and it's just now coming to Netflix because, like, I've seen a few friends that aren't really movie people, just like friends from high school or something that are sharing uh, a link. It's like, you know, the scariest movie from Netflix. Yeah. It's like, eh, it's yeah. been out for I a see that. years. But. I see that headline every month, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's, and it's a cool, like, just like very few characters in one location kind of thing just in this home morgue thing and I think you'll like it a lot I'll add it to the list yeah well Mike what did you watch well I'll be uh, I'll be honest after uh, the uh, the great uh, per- the the binging of binging. 2018 horror films got a little horror film burnt out. So other than like the movies for this episode, I haven't really watched anything new in horror. Um, probably closest thing is I mar- I did marathon the uh, um, Joe Bob Briggs Christmas marathon where he showed Phantasm one, three, and four, and it was a little bum. Like three didn't hold up as well as I remembered it. So I mean, I still love. Mm. I love those movies uh, regardless, but yeah, it just wasn't as solid as I remember it. It just definitely, I don't know. Maybe I was also a little butthurt he skipped over two. But but there's a couple movies I do want to talk about that they're not horror, but I'm just excited to talk about them. Um, I did, uh, I went out and bought as soon as it came out because I so wanted to see this version of this movie. And I, um, I did, and plus I wanted my son to be able to see this movie, and he, the only way he would be allowed to see it is this particular version. And I bought the Blu-ray for Once Upon a Deadpool, which is the PG-13 version of Deadpool Two. Mm. <clears throat> and so I wanted to see it. Well, I wanted to see it. I wanted to have it so my son can see a Deadpool movie, like the 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 character Deadpool and the way. Um, the way he's portrayed in the films is like right in my son's wheelhouse for comedy and and he loves superhero movies, but it's too much. It's too yeah, the, it's too much. Which you know, I'm not going to apologize for because I freaking love love them. I oh, yeah. love the R-rated versions. And oh, I'm yeah. so excited to have like an R-rated superhero movie franchise. Um, but I wanted to see it just because like. Being a filmmaker myself, and especially editing, which is probably one of my favorite pro- part of, parts of of the filmmaking process, is, is editing. And I've been doing a lot of editing lately for other people, um, which has been so much fun. Um, so I get fascinated with the idea of alternate 
edited versions of a of a film. Um, so so there's that part of me that's like, oh, you know, this is BS, you know, PG thirteen, you know, why mess with it? But it the R rated version's still out there. It's not taking away from the R rated version. This is just another this is just another cut of the same of the same film. Plus they added footage. You know, if you've seen that trailer with him and Fred Savage doing the Princess Bride thing, that is <laughs> that is a theme. Uh, Jason's shaking his head. No, you had I, not seen the trailer I don't know for that. About it. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Yeah. So for around the Christmas season, they re-released Deadpool two, but but they called it Once Upon a Deadpool, and basically they took the premise of a Princess Bride, where Deadpool has kidnapped and duct taped to the bed a grown up Fred Savage. And Deadpool reads him the story of Deadpool 2, only the PG thir- PG-13 version. Oh, and man. so it cuts in and out of the movie constantly, just like in Princess Bride, cutting back to Deadpool reading the story of the Fred Savage. And their interactions are hilarious. Oh, those, those new scenes with uh, Fred Savage are awesome. They're Wonder so Years funny. Wonder Years Fred Savage. Wonder Years Fred Savage, okay. yes. Um, yes, the the... The older brother of Boy Meets World guy. Yes. <laughs> How you would know him as. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so so it was cool seeing the new footage, even if it is just Ryan Reynolds sitting in a chair reading a book to Fred Savage duct taped to a bed. I'll take it. You know, it's still <laughs> it's still funny, hilarious stuff. But I also wanted to really see how what they would do with the edit on this. So and it. I need to go back and watch the R-rated version and compare to the two. Just because, like, the first half of the movie really felt a bit disjointed. Like, I felt like um, we were missing information. Like, things were just happening so fast and random. Like, a lot more random than I remember in it. You know, like, this scene just jumps straight into this next scene. Um, but... It seems like Deadpool 2, though. I mean, that seems like... Yeah, but it, and that's why I want to go back and watch the R-rated version. I'm like, is it just me or is it this edit? You know, and my ten year old son still was able to follow the story along just fine, and even he was like, "Dad, this isn't a Deadpool movie." You know, that first like ten minutes of the story or whatever, where it's all about you know him and his girlfriend, and when his girlfriend is shot and killed, and and then him being depressed, trying to c- commit suicide, and having these heart to heart with with Colossus and whatnot in the in the X Men mansion and all that stuff. But you know, once the comedy really started kicking in, then it was just like he just would not stop laughing through the whole movie. And they don't cut out all the language, they still left in like all the shits and I think they were allowed one fuck. Um but there's there's a scene um in the Fred Savage Only one. What's that? Only one. Uh, yeah, and there's a scene, like, in the Fred Savage Deadpool scene where they're talking about some actor, and Fred Savage talks about how he would like to fight this actor, but every time, and it goes on to this whole conversation about how he would like to fight him, and and all this, that, and the other thing, and every time um, he would say the word fight, Deadpool had this little beep mechanism that he would push the button on, and it would beep every time he'd say fight, you just get the F in there and then bleep the word. So it sounds the whole time, the whole conversation sounds like he's wanting to fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was hysterical. And my son, he's 10, 
and and he gets it. He's getting the joke and laughing his head off, you know, uh, without them ever actually having to say the f word. So, um, so yeah, if, if it was a fact of like, you know, taking an R-rated movie, re-editing it down to PG-13, and then releasing it that way, I would have a problem with it. But the fact that they did the R-rated version, and now they're like, let's try this version too, and both can coexist then that's where I'm cool with it. Because as an editor, I'm fascinated with the idea of how you can totally change something just through the editing process. You know, I have new footage. That's cool. Yeah. Plus new footage, which, you know, if you're a fan, you want to soak up all, all you can. Um, and, you know, because I've talked about it before on the show, there's a there's an Italian movie called um, to, be 20, uh, to Be 20, where there's two different edits of that movie, and it's... You know the the edits are completely are different tones. Like one's a comedy, and the other one is like this graphic, nasty horror film, all with the same footage. So, um, so it just I just am fascinated by the concept that you could take the same material and make a completely different movie out of it. I've always wanted to see um, Eo Bull's comedy edit of um, House of the Dead. Several years back, he did a re-release of it on DVD where he re-edited it and turned it into a comedy. And I'm like, oh, I need to see that. I mean, the original's a joke as it is, but... But anyway, so yeah. there's that. And then the other one I wanted to bring up, just because, like, I literally... I, 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 the minute we stopped recording the, 28, the, the best of 2018 episodes, as soon as we stopped recording, I'm like... I'm done with 2018 horror movies. I'm dying to watch this movie. I've been putting it off. Um, and I'm watching it now. So I, I, I clicked play and watched An Evening with Beverly Loughlin, uh, directed by um, Jim Hoskin, the uh, director of The Greasy Strangler. Woo. So, oh man, and it was just as awesome as The Greasy Strangler. He definitely has like a tone... And and um, a, um, a style for what he goes for with his comedy. And it's just like annoying, awkward characters and bizarre dialogue. And I love every second of it. It's got Audrey Plaza in it. Uh, Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords. Uh, and he he was born to be in this guy's movies, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody does awkward, yeah. awkward weird characters than this guy. Uh, Craig Robinson's in it, and he plays this like this famous singer that all he does is he mostly just grunts through the whole movie. It's really hilarious, um, and it even has a lot of the Greasy Stranger alumni in it too. It's got um, Sky um, Elbar uh, who played Brendan in the movie. Um, it's got uh, the the Indian guy who um, was eating potato chips out in front of the hotel. He plays a really big part in the movie. Um, so, yeah, if you like The Greasy Strangler, definitely watch this one. A lot of people were telling me that it, it's, like, nothing like The Greasy Strangler, and I completely disagree, because, it, again, it has this, like, the awkward characters and the weird sense of humor that The Greasy Strangler... It's just not, it's just not a gross-out film like The Greasy Strangler was. Um, you know, it's, it's, it comes, like, I think IMDb called it a crime comedy, so and it's like the lamest crime story of all time. That's what even makes it even funnier. Like the crime element of it is so 
ludicrous and ridiculous as well. Uh, it's even got the score by Andrew Hung, the guy who did the Greasy Strangler score. Uh, so, and it's not as like weird as the Greasy Strangler score. Well, how could it? Be? I know. With like the chipmunks doing gibberish, like in the Creasy Strangler score, um, but uh, um, but it's still a very bizarro score, and I freaking love this guy's music. But uh, yeah, so those that was my those were my watches. Noise. Excellent. I guess that sort of just leaves me. Um, <laughs> I visited a, revisited a few things once again because I find myself awake at 3 a.m. on stars i uh i watched american psycho again for like the millionth time yes which i don't need to go over again but uh i saw mid 90s which was was pretty good jonah hill's uh debut as a director that looks awesome it was a lot of uh i don't know it was it was very unique sort of what i expected very much um like a mix of boyhood and kids not quite on the level yeah. of kids, but um, more probably more boyhood where he, there's not really a, a narrative. It just sort of follows this kid for, you know, the, over the course of a month or so as he sort of uh, grows up around and, and sort of learns life lessons. And yeah, it was good. Not horror at all, so I'm not going to stick around and talk too much about it. But the uh, one thing I did see that might sort of fall onto. Our topic is glass. Did anybody um, else see glass yet? No, I'm no. so disappointed. I I can't believe we weren't there on opening night, man. I know. No yeah, spoilers. We, we went the Thursday before. I uh, I thought it was okay. I was I don't know. I didn't go into it expecting a whole lot because of the negative reviews leading up to it. But I went in hoping to like it. You know, I sort of go in with a chip on my shoulder, thinking, you know, well. You know, it can't be. It's not going to be as bad as people say, and I don't. I still don't think it was as bad as a lot of the uh, critics are giving it. You know, horrible reviews, but uh, sort of a letdown when you have two great movies and then you have one that's just sort of uh, is very dull. I thought, uh, but. James McAvoy, he's awesome in it. I mean, everybody sort of brings their A game except for Bruce Willis, which isn't surprising. Uh, It felt much more like a sequel to Split than Unbreakable, but overall, I mean, you have to see it. If you've seen the other two, you got to see it. So I won't, I won't go into many more details since nobody else has seen it. But and and I know you're going to go see it anyway. So hell yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so pumped. So yeah, that's what I watched. Awesome. Yeah, and it snuck, and the release snuck up on me. I'm like, yeah. oh, crap, that is this weekend. And Well, I thought about it, but the, the weather went to hell. And yeah, that's I part just, of the problem. Yeah. <clears throat> so maybe this week. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That would be sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get into our topic uh, for this episode, and that is... Um, we picked a movie that's been sitting on our shelves for a while that's still wrapped that we have never seen, and for whatever reason it made it to our shelf, but we've never seen it. So we've opened it, we've all watched this movie, and we're going to talk about them. What a fun, different topic. Thanks, Tad, for coming up with this one. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Tad. I like these like uh, more experimental topics. 
They're fun. Yeah, he's he's full of them. He's just stay tuned. And it forces yeah. us to forces us to get into our to do list, you know. I think he just wanted to open this movie and didn't have any other reason. <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely not it. Because when I suggested it and then sort of went around my shelves, I realized that I had a lot of movies that I have not watched, but there's good reason. And I was like embarrassed to even let you guys know what some of them were. <laughs> oh man, now I need to know. Well, you mentioned one earlier on the bonus episode. Yeah, I did. Monsterd, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I have I a have respect for you. And I've never watched it. <laughs> Part two, everyone. Stay yeah. tuned. Yeah, yeah. yeah we definitely do several parts of this, but oh, yeah. I, I think, uh, don't thank me yet because we don't know <laughs> the quality of this episode or if people will like the how the topic really does not have, you know, other than horror movies, these movies Pretty much, I wouldn't. I don't know. We'll, we'll let it fly. But I was gonna say, I'm not sure how they have a theme, how they connect it all. But yeah, they don't I, I really. Can see some, yeah. I can see some. Some have common ground. But anyways, I think I can maybe do like a six degrees of separation between these films, and yeah. one for another. <laughs> um, Might be a stretch, but yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and start us off. I just want to get mine out of the way. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's an indication. The movie, the wow. movie I picked um, was a movie Jason bought me several years ago for Christmas one year. And never opened it. Yeah, believe it or not, <laughs> damn, that, that happens a lot with this guy. Whatever, That's real. And it's a movie for, that I um, so I got it on Blu-ray uh, from 2015 called Lost After Dark. Um. Directed by Ian Kessner, who's really hasn't done anything since. Um, pretty much a cast of unknowns, with the exception of um, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick, T yeah. two uh, man, what's that? T two. Oh yeah, and he was great in it. I loved his character, and I loved his performance in it. Uh, it apparently, it has a couple kids that were on Degrassi. The uh, Woody Degrassi. Oh, Dustin yeah, it's, Cana- it's a Canadian yeah. film, so I mean, it makes sense. So. so, other than that, there's you know, nobody really has had career, you know, careers before or after this. Well, Rick Rosenthal, who played the sheriff, directed you know Halloween two and Bad Boys, and well, Halloween Resurrection. Too. Yeah, <laughs> I was just getting. To Don't that. let him off. Don't yeah, I was, I, I was, no, 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 I mean, he's definitely been crucified for, you know, that. Possibly the best and worst sequel in one, in one series. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> yeah, Damn, actually, man. on my notes here, it says Halloween 2, director next to it, and then it says Halloween Resurrection, and then I wrote fucker next to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's. Yeah, that's sort of weird to think about. But anyways. So Lost After Dark, um, it's basically, it's homage to 80s slasher films. But a lot of times when you hear that, there's usually some kind of like meta twist to it. Like Final Girls, you know, um, where there are characters that are, they're, they're people who get trapped in a horror movie. So you got that angle. But this just plays straight like a slasher. This could have literally came out back in 1981. Um, it plays it a hundred percent straight. And basically, you know, it, um, 
pretty generic plot where it's just a group of teenagers looking to party and get stranded on um, uh, get stranded uh, when their bus breaks down the bus that they stole from the school breaks down and they end up getting stalked and killed by a cannibalistic killer um, yeah so yeah that's a that's a description of about 25 other films from the early 80s era so I'm, I got, I'm kind of conflicted on this one because at the at one point is I love 80 slasher films and like if this was if this came out in probably 1981 right. it'd it's, probably be like oh this movie's awesome but it's 2015 yeah. stylizing itself as 80s. yeah which is not a deal breaker to me I still no. think it's pretty cool but no. on the other side of it it's like there's really it's kind of having done our own 80s plain. ripoff our own 80s stuff. I mean, we've done it too in our movies. Yeah. So it's just kind of can't be it's mad about it. Kind of generic, you know. It had a hard I had a hard time staying keeping it holding my attention at certain points. Hmm. Although the kills were great, yeah. and I could definitely tell that yeah. whoever did this movie is a fan of horror. Um because some of those kills were downright homages to other films. Oh yeah. My favorite being yeah. um uh being the uh the black the black character getting his eye slowly shoved into um, yeah. the piece of glass. Oh my gosh. That's that, totally zombie too right there. Exactly. That's, that's totally Fulci zombie. Hundred percent great. Including the penetration of the sick. eye. Yeah. It looked yeah. great. Yeah, it it was cringeworthy. It was great. It was a really great kill. And totally it's it's like almost it's almost shot for shot, the Fulci zombie eye gag so the only thing that really threw me off was that weird moment where the film burns up yeah and then it's yeah. like missing real here i'm like what what what, what why yeah you know and yeah i just didn't get that i've never rented a, i never rented a slasher film from the early 80s where there was a missing reel on the vhs so I guess I don't get why that needed to be there. I, I wasn't even I wasn't even a big fan of it when Robert Rodriguez did it in Planet Terror, and they were totally tipping their caps to those kind of movies. I was just like, yeah. I I feel I feel like that's kind of that's cheating your audience. Well, I, I agree with that, but I feel like at least Robert Rodriguez used it almost as a device to where I mean I I I thought it was funny. It's because like it's leading up to this one scene and then it cuts and then it's like that scene's over and we didn't get to see the scene. I don't know. I thought that was funny that they didn't show that scene. So I kind of felt like it was actually a device. But at no point, other than like a little bit of graininess that was put into the film, at no point did this, it, it just was so out of left field. I mean, on Planet Terror, the whole movie continually like shakes and rattles and there's hairs and scratches all over the freaking thing. So the whole thing plays that way. But this movie just all of a sudden now nowhere the film burns up and and there's this like missing reel here. And I didn't get it. I I had a problem with Junior Jode. I don't think he's a very intimidating heavy at all. He just looks like a guy from Duck's Duck Dynasty on meth. To me, well, that scares me. I don't know about you. I mean, yeah, well, I think your hero, your heroes are only going to be as good as your heavy. I mean, just like I see a really tall guy in overalls with bad teeth, yeah, and I'm not 
I'm not really feeling it. Well, for I, me, that was probably the biggest thing that was lacking. I'm like, if you're going to do a, a film that's, that is just a complete straight 80s slasher homage, and you want it to just kind of be lumped in with those films, instead of it being like a true homage, um, you, you want your film to be an 80s slasher's film, then put a mask on the guy. C- have a cool mask. That's what usually separated separated you know movies like, um, uh, My Bloody Valentine versus um, New Year's Evil or something. But the twist in this is that he's a cannibal. But did how much him being a cannibal was there that made it scary? Nothing. You know, like, <laughs> and why does he kill that other cannibal in the beginning? Yeah, like what's that about? I don't see him doing mu- very much eating of people in this movie right, either. So if you're gonna, yeah. if like a cannibal's a guy, uh, you know it's gonna be a guy, and this is a guy who is a cannibal, but like it's not his cannibalism that makes him scary. It's just that he goes around and kills people. I don't know. I got a little bit of a feel from like not a hundred percent of his look, but. Just certain moments where I got a feel that maybe the killer was also an homage to another Italian horror film in Anthropagus, The Grim Reaper. So it kind of had that feel to it. His character kind of had that feel to it. Um, But maybe I'm just reading too much into that. I don't know. Was that or a big Hacksaw Jim Duggan fan? Because yeah, sure. Because <laughs> otherwise, why? Yeah, what's the point of having him a cannibal? And I hate, I cringed at that one bit of dialogue where the one girl's talking about like her sister or whatever that was apparently killed there too because she found right, that. Right, where'd that thing. come out of? I know. Yeah. And then when she's talking about like, does he also eat their souls? And is her is my what? sister's soul trapped? I'm like, what the. F- freak is this <laughs> now we're talking some supernatural shit which doesn't ever come into play this this whole this, this whole crew had me thinking like you know g- considering they have a lot of 80s uh character tropes it's like they almost reminded me of scooby-doo they're all in a very large you know yeah. thing transporting them and toby the smart one <laughs> Loses his glasses, kind of like Velma. I don't know where my mind went there, but it was just like these. It's like Scooby Doo. But uh, another thing I want to say: line of the film. Since I haven't done this one, uh, Heather, I don't want to be eaten by a cannonball. Oh Oh, yeah, yeah, fuck. I mean, I laughed. I cringed, but I I laughed. Well, yeah, but it was so. It's yeah. It's so. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> it's, it, you can't help but you know appreciate it. When that line, when that line happened, I'm like, oh shit, was I not paying attention? I should right. start this movie over because apparently it's supposed to be a comedy. It's like this one <laughs> comedy right. joke line in a movie that's devoid of all comedy joke lines. Ah, they didn't really, they didn't run with it either in the scene. No, when she says it. It's like they had an idea for something they wanted oh. to do in the movie. It's like we just do this. This will be this line will be funny when it's a movie that has no other Out comedy in the rest of the movie. Yeah. I I did like the uh, the swerve when they killed Adrian though. I, I I own this film as well, and I forgot that they basically killed what we thought was to be the yeah. final girl first. 
Yeah. Yes. That's the part I didn't like. I liked this movie almost for the, most all of it, but that's the part I didn't like is that they killed the main girl and main guy first. And I'm just like, fuck you, movie. I was pissed. <laughs> but you like it, so now I'm sorry. Well, well no, I, no, don't, I mean, no, it's don't just, be. I mean... I mean, it's, it's, it's just a, different. it's, it's a different, yeah, it's, it's just, it's different. I mean, it was something that I was not, not expecting. No, and I'm uh-uh. just like, okay, where, where's, okay, now that they're doing this, I can, <laughs> I can kind of accept that, but I was just like, okay, where, where are they going to take us now? Which kind of, I yeah. guess, drew me in more. I was just like, okay, now what the hell are you going to do? Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah, I I get it. It felt forced, though. Like, or, you know, it's almost like, hey, we're going to do something different and kill and set up this person as being our, you know, protagonist, our main character, our final girl, and let's kill her right away. Like, well, you're not being really that original because even that's been done (laughs) over and over. Psycho? Exactly. Psycho is a great example. Oh, man, and I was really loving the the fat guy because... Yeah, he's well, probably my you know, favorite We're character. always the fat guy, you know. Yeah. And like, the fat guy with the weed. Right. Yep. That's yeah. always us. And if it never gets the girl, we and we're like, me. and we're like, oh, shit, man. He might get the girl. Nope, still doesn't. Yeah. Nah, fuck this movie. But, I like, but, I, but again, I liked it at the end of the day, I think, because I quickly, early on, um, watched it as a, hey, we could have made this movie. This, this is just another... <clears throat> Like this is a low budget, just another one of our friends making a movie. See, and that's and where, that's why it was fine with me. Like that's where I do appreciate the film and the fact that it's like, hey, we want to do an eighty slasher film, but I feel like if we're doing an eighty slasher film in the year, in the two thousands, then we've got to do it's got to have some kind of extra gimmick to it, you know, something that that separates it out. Where these guys just wanted to go straight in and just make an eighty slashers film. You know, and I can appreciate that because, like, there's been a number of times where I'm just like, I just want to do, I just want to do this subgenre, right? Why does there all its typical tropes and not have and just have it be that? Why does there always have to be a fucking gimmick? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And they did a lot of things really good too. A lot of the again, there's some really cool kills and camera work, and yeah, yeah, there's a lot of and the the effects are on the kills and. Um, a lot of a lot of good things for sure. I yeah. think what I liked least about it was probably the overall, in general, just the performances. I felt a lot of them were pretty weak. Yeah, uh, that's why I sort of got bummed when they killed off Adrian because I thought she was one of the better right. ones. Even th- despite mm. being given some bad dialogue, she felt like one yeah. of the few in the movie that at least had acted before. It felt like they got a group of friends together and made this movie, which, you know, I guess in 80s slasher homage, there's a lot of bad 80s, but I feel like, you know, the the 80s slashers that we still hold dear to us are, a lot of that is because of some decent performances. There's a lot of really bad 80s slashers that don't have that cult status. You know, I feel like like when you said earlier... You know, if this was actually made in the '80s, it might be something that we like. I don't, I don't know about that. You know, I feel like uh, people, people rely like, like say that too much. Where it's like, 
man, if this 80s movie was made today, people wouldn't give a shit about it. No, there's a lot of 80s stuff that I don't that I don't give a shit about, you know. There's a reason that uh, certain certain 80s films are held in such high regard and they're so rewatchable, you know, in by younger generations too that they, you know, they still stay uh, relevant. There's a reason and it's not just because of good performances, good story and stuff, but you know, to me that once something has such unbelievably bad performances, it's just hard for me to sit through. Well, now I got to stop and really think about the eighty slashers that I love because <laughs> I, I love so many of them, and part of me thinks, well, you know, some of them have got to be just generic cookie cutter slasher films, right? You know, I was gonna quickly defend, you know, that, but can't think of one that doesn't have something that makes it stand out versus the others you know but it's you know it's like it's even not... if it's something as little as like my bloody valentine has a cool the killer has a cool look with the with the with the gas mask and the pickaxe and the mind yeah helmet. well it's like to me people always say it's nostalgia you know you'll love anything from the 80s like i've always like um, happy birthday to me that sucks i don't like it sorry <laughs> that's not, I, that that had a gimmick they try to rip it off like oh we'll do a birthday and to me that's not rewatchable i own it on dvd i've watched it maybe twice and uh, nope. i'm i'm good i'm good man like there's a lot a lot of movies like that where i'm just you know april just, fools day yeah it's just i just don't yeah, I, oh i love april fools day man I love it. It's a cheat, man. It's yeah, that's so, why I love it. Uh, it's a big, I'm a big fan of Amy Steele and uh, who's who's the other gal that's in that? Um, Deb Deborah Foreman. Deborah oh, Foreman. Oh, yeah. 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 Just yeah. And it's got Sorry. it's got what's his name Biff from the Back to the Future movies. And how can you not love April Fool's Day? It's awesome. It's, right. it's, I had the, it's the movie that through. almost killed the eighty slasher genre. <laughs> I, I had a hard I have a hard time getting through uh My Bloody Valentine, even though I love the look of the killer as well. Me, like, me like too. Said. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I it's, don't so, know. it's so Canadian. Oh. <laughs> eh? I've watched that one more than yeah, most. <laughs> I don't know. I just I guess maybe I don't know, maybe it is nostalgia for me or I could I can I can find differences between these films. Okay, I thought I thought of one. I thought of one that's so generic I don't like it. Greg Amortis is gonna be pissed when he hears this, but I do not like Man Man. That one that one's really generic for me. But like I'm sitting here thinking just before dawn, no, I love that movie and I can I can point out differences between it and other films that of its the ilk. burning, the burning, the burning, the, the burning's, burning's awesome. Awesome, yeah. Um, but I love that generic. movie. It's probably one of the better directed slash acted. Um, it's got really great acting and great actors in it, um, and awesome Tom Savini effects. Yeah, that are shot right. You know. Um, yeah, I, I've seen some behind the scenes of the burning effects, and the behind the scenes they look kind of shitty. But when they're presented in the film, the way it was shot and edited, those those effects are gruesome and amazing. 
and the and the look of the killer, even though we don't see the killer until like towards the end of the third act. Cropsy, um, good old Cropsy. His look, even though he's not he's not masked or anything, um, and his weapon, his weapon is unique. You know, he does just the the gardening shears through the whole movie. It's not like Jason where he just goes from weapon to weapon or whatever. Yeah, so. and it has Jason Alexander. So <laughs> yeah, and Helen Hunt, Fisher yeah. Stevens. Yeah, and, so how, uh, Fisher, mother freaking Stevens. But generic. Holly Hunter in a very small role. Oh, that's what I meant. Holly Hunter, not oh. who I said. Not Helen Hunt. Hunt. Helen Hunt. Oh, my God. H's. And the chick from Bloodsport. I can't remember her name. Love yes, Fisher freaking Stevens, man. Anyway, Lost After Dark. <laughs> yeah. Do you recommend it? it says I'm torn. I'm All just right. really torn. And maybe kind of, I keep I keep teetering back and forth. Like part of me is like, I want to say yes because I you love the fact that they, they just did a straight slasher film with again no gimmicks, no nothing meta about it or anything like that. It was just an eighty slasher film. But on this other side of it, it's like it's pretty generic at times. There's really nothing that makes it stand out amongst the pool of eighty slasher films. So. I don't know. I'm torn. I'd probably have to watch it another time or two. I, I have think to s- I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I I will I will give my be, be, my both my yes and no answer. Yes for the '80s retro vibe. No for the fact that that chick broke that dog's neck. I just didn't like yep. that. Fuck Aww. that. <laughs> yeah. Just another reason. Add it to the pile. Fair enough. Hey, I'm just glad you finally opened the fucking gift I gave you. <laughs> I might be had the you, first one. Oh, had whatever. You seen it before? Like what? Who, what me? was the inspiration oh. behind this? I gift? bought it for him just because of the presentation of it. Look at the cover, man. It's the fucking cover's awesome. Cool. And the and it's like it's clear that it's uh, hey, this is a new movie. That's trying to be like the 80s. And I think that like we did just see Final Girls around there, so it was yeah. on that kind of high. I'm like, oh, more of that? Fuck yeah. So, Also, if you compare and contrast... It's probably uh, cheap, cover, so that's why I got it for him. If you compare <laughs> and contrast the cover to Alone in the Dark, oh, you'll yeah. see that they are very much the same. Very mm-hmm. much the same. And what, I think I read all the... Uh, Male victims are named after uh, slasher directors or horror directors. Oh, that's right. I had that in my notes, too, which I know Jason loves that. Hate. Fucking hate it. Yeah, I hate it, too. It's so overdone. (laughs) Yeah, Mike, quit doing it. (laughs) And, well, all the girls are named after final girls as well. Oh, shit. Lori, Adrian, Marilyn. Yeah. Marilyn, Heather. Heather. when you were saying like you like this because it might, you know, it feels like a movie your friends could make, I feel like uh, my friends would do better. Oh, oh man! <laughs> and I've heard you talk about some of your friends, so man, oh, shit. Uh, no, I'm talking about you guys. Oh, you guys are my friends that make movies. You haven't seen any of our older stuff. That's <laughs> closer to this. <laughs> Oh man! But but this but, has yeah. been you know this is a wide release that you can buy and stuff like you know what I'm saying like cool. I don't think maybe it deserves uh, 
I don't know. We're not going to go down that road. But I feel like this is like... Right, Demonica's clearly better than this. And <laughs> that got distribution. I feel like this was like the uh, final nail in the coffin of Anchor Bay. Oh. <laughs> Might have been. It's like one of the last oh, wow. of their releases. Anyway. Alright, cool. Uh, let's see. Let's go to... Well, you know, I talked about in Lost After Dark, I picked up on some homages to Italian horror films. So let's um, go over to Andy's pick. My pick is from 1973. It is a spaghetti slasher because, like you said, it's Italian cinema, and it's called Torso. Torso! <laughs> we had the high five, sorry. It's a... It's a Gallo movie, which you know, I'm, I'm, I think that means like with that, like yellow, yellow, Italian. Yeah, Giallo yeah. is is Italian for yellow. Thank you, because it was a genre of um, of crime novels in the fifties uh, and sixties in Italy that were really popular, and all the all the oh. covers were yellow. So they were all yellow. Nice. nice. Well, basically, this is, um, it's, I, the reason, uh, I, I actually got this in a, I believe, a, either a BAM box or a, fri- or a fright crate that I had ordered, and I really wanted to, I really kind of got excited about watching it, because it'd probably be, aside from Peeping Tom and Psycho, it's it's probably one of the more earlier earliest slasher films that I would have been able to, uh, that I've seen. Because I believe this predates uh, Texas Chain, and I believe this predates Black Christmas as well. Um, from what I saw, it's basically uh, a string of murders start happening at the University of uh, Peruga. Perugia. Sounds like a salad, I guess. Mm. But... Uh, Basically, all these art students uh, end up start being killed, and they're they're all girls. And basically, from the get go, they are strangled by this uh, guy in a ski mask and a black and red scarf. And after a, a few murders happen, they all retreat to this uh, sort of like this get away up in the mountains to try to, you know, until things calm down. But unbeknownst to them, the the killer follow, follows them there. And a lot and a lot, even for Italian, I think, uh, there's a lot of TNA in this movie because I was watching the uncensored Woo! cut. Is that the guy? Is that the guy's you, the one, you, the one you guys saw? I think so. I think so, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, in- interesting movie. Uh, they they go to Daniela's father's retreat, but I believe it is Jane is the one. She it's a it's funny how she gets away from being murdered because the murderer comes there, and uh, basically he he barges in on these girls, and and ends up killing them. But she had spra- sprained her ankle earlier, and basically she was out all night because she took some painkillers and and fell asleep and the murder comes back to a base eventually dismember all the corpses 
and at the at this whole time they think it's this uh, this uh, co- uh, other co-ed that that's with them by the name of, of Stefano because he does have a similar scarf and according to the production they none of the actresses knew who the killer was going to be because they just wanted to keep it secret they wanted to you know keep their fear up I guess and uh, from what I can tell, it uh, I think Dario Argento took a lot of uh, inspiration for this because I had just watched Tenebrae uh, earlier. And even though Tenebrae was made 10 years later, I saw a lot of the same, like, you know, uh, basically the guy holding the weapon and he's got black, you know, driving gloves on. So, you know, like, you know who's coming. Um, but I, I guess I won't... Sp- Spoil it, uh, or should I spoil it? Tell them who the killer is. It don't matter. Well, basically, um, they thought it was Stefano, but he was trying. He was going there trying to protect them, but it was their uh, their instructor at the art school, and l- much like um, Who Done It slashers, there's a big uh, information dump at the end. I mean, you see it in. Friday the Thirteenth, and you see it. You see it in other ones, and basically he he kills girls because I believe it was his little brother died or something like that. I couldn't I couldn't quite make it out to tell you the truth. Uh, it was his little brother that fell off a cliff, helping you know, g- helping another girl, and then he ended up wanting wanting to strangle these girls. Uh, uh, to tell you the truth, I was. It, I thought it was okay, you know, but I just I ended up not really caring by the toward towards the end. I mean, if the guy had a microphone stand, I would automatically con- assumed it was Steven Tyler because he's got you know scarves all over that goddamn thing. <laughs> um, but I mean, Johnny Depp the whole time. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> it was Jack Sparrow. <laughs> um, but I mean. Yeah, I, I, and I'm trying to take into consideration when this thing was made. So, for uh, when it was made, it was it was probably you know it was it was it was very very good. Um, I don't know, maybe I need to watch it again and and give it another chance. But I'll hand it over to you guys. And what did you guys think? Hand over the torso. Torso. <laughs> torso. I'll have to say this whole episode is first watch watches for me. Oh. Um, I'd never seen Torso either, so I was happy to see it on the list because it's another one of those movies. I don't own it, but it's another one of those that's, you know, sort of had a reputation just from the fucking, you know, title alone is awesome. Torso. Yeah. And there's a lot of torsos in it. Like you said, a lot of TNA. I'm okay yeah. with that. Uh, some pretty bad, you know, dummies falling off cliff effects. <laughs> a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, uh, melted red crayon blood we had yeah. going yeah. It's, oh, yeah it's just so and you know the the leather gloves a, a lot of the typical stuff you expect out of this which i'm okay with you know it's not something i'm gonna pop in over and over again but uh i i enjoyed it like i i felt the same way where i did not necessarily care who it was by the end and the twist i sort of saw coming mm-hmm. uh but i'm okay with that you know it's it's a we're in a different time and age and this is, I, I I enjoyed the what hour and a half 
of this movie. I don't know. I, I had no real complaints. I sort of felt like I knew what I was getting into and didn't expect anything. Didn't expect anything more out of it. So, yeah, I really liked it too. Uh, had you seen it? Nope, I haven't seen it. I'd seen the trailer one million times <laughs> because. Uh, Mike had the trailer on one of the in-store loops at Insane's Asylum. And if you you need to watch the trailer, everyone needs to watch the trailer. The trailer is classic. It's very classic. It's almost got a better reputation than the movie, at least to us, because they say probably 40 times in the trailer, they say, Torso! Yeah, now that's the that's the U.S. theatrical trailer, right? I'm yeah, I'm looking on the yeah. back here. They'd have yeah. It's called. They've got one called the International Carnal Violence trailer. I don't know if they say torso know. in that or not, but oh man, I really liked the look of the killer. It's simple, but yeah, but I like. Oh it. yeah, it's creepy. Right? It's simple, Way but like, that. what is that? You know, at first uh-huh. I thought it was. I always used to think it was a stocking cap. Yeah, stocking mask, but it's. Definitely more to it than that. So did Corey Taylor from Slipknot directly take that mask? You know, it looks a lot <laughs> like he he's whoever designed his mask saw this movie and was like, "We're doing that with dreadlocks." <laughs> yeah, Bring out maybe right. Yeah, man. Like I and I think that that kind of stuff is so eerie. You know, you were just talking about uh, the last one we talked about was it Lost in the Dark? Uh, yeah, Lost after dark. Lost after dark. Yeah, that and how generic that killer and how he wasn't he was not scary at all to me. He looked like a guy in a big f- bad fake beard, but this this is more of my alley, man. Yeah. yeah. Got to have a mask, man. Got to have a mask. Even though he looked like the gimp. Right. The way that the way the eye and ear and mouth holes are cut out, it's different yeah. than just a mask you can buy on the store. Yeah. Shelves. Which meaning they put a little effort into it. Yeah. And the saw that he carries around, I mean, I think we all know that you couldn't do with it what that saw could do. <laughs> yeah, we've all it, been pissed off and broken blades on those things before. Right. Oh, yeah. And, th- and that saw, as cool as it is, isn't going to cut through people like you think it's going to, but I don't know. But yeah, I like the look of the killer a lot. It's pretty cool. I so, was, I'm, I'm sorry, I just, I got I got like one more thing to add. That I've, it's one <laughs> thing here. It's like that... This this house is like you know twelve thousand you know feet in elevation, but that cobbler like hauled that that sh- that weird shoe guy that was staring that was spying <laughs> on the girls. That cobbler like must be able to run like three hundred miles an hour because he got down that hill like and into his shop like in like two minutes, and then like the killer was like right behind him. I just I, I found that funny, and then they killed the poor shoemaker guy. So I've just been sitting here waiting patiently for my turn at this movie because this is my wheelhouse. When this was on the, put on the list, I was so excited because I obviously am a huge Italian uh, horror movie fan and I love Jalo films. So Andy, let me ask you: Have you seen many Jalo films up to this point? I I have been trying to. Um, update my resume i've seen the the three mothers trilogy the original ones with you know argento with uh suspiria inferno and uh mother of tears and then i most recently saw tenebrae 
and this would, I guess, would be my fifth one. Okay. So, because so, you were saying that you felt like Argento took a lot from uh, this movie from Tenebrae, and, and I'm going to argue with you the fact that um, um, a lot of the stuff that happens in Torso is pretty cookie-cutter um, tropes from the Jalo films. Uh, many, 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 many of them are shot from the killer's POV, um, all, for some reason, all of them wear black gloves. gloves. <laughs> it is a staple in Jalo films that they're wearing these black gloves. So, um, I always used to think this was like the, the, um, Citizen Kane of Jalo movies. Like this is the Jalo oh, wow. movie. I used to think that. I used to think that because my experience with this movie long before I ever saw it was the trailer that Jason was referring to, and it was on. Um, it's on the the greatest trailer compilation film of all times, Mad Ranch Previews from Hell, and it's a great trailer, and it is very attention grabbing because yes. The narrator's saying, Torso, over and over and over and oh. over again in this trailer. And so it's it's a really attention-grabbing trailer and a, and a fun trailer. And I, so I always used to think, like, okay, this is... And it's directed by um, Sergio uh, uh, Martino. Um, so I always used to think, like, this is, this is the groundwork for what a Jalo movie is. But I... But I've come to learn through studying Jalo films that, you know, there are others that far surpass um, far surpass this one. And you talked about how um, a lot of uh, American slashers have taken notes from this um, movie. Um, Andy, I, I want you to see it came out in 1971. I want you to see Mario Bava's Bay of Blood. You will watch that movie and think that Sean Cunningham is a hack because he liter he literally lifted um, Bay of Blood when he made Friday Thirteenth. Um, so, are you talking about the spear through the couple that goes into the the floor? Because I was in Friday Part Two, and I think he stalled. I think he may have took that from Bava. Yeah, both one and two of Friday Thirteenth um, has a lot, a lot. That could be said that could be lifted, that was lifted from Bay of Blood. So Bay of Blood. Definitely right. check it out. Definitely check out Bay of Blood. Um, but, uh, yeah, Sergio Martino, um, I always thought of him as probably more of the classier of the, I don't even know if that's nice to say, but of the Italian... <laughs> Italian giallo filmmakers or Italian exploitation filmmakers. Um, um, you want to talk about a superior giallo film to this one, his earlier film, Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key. I have the key. That, to me, is the Citizen Kane of giallo films. That, that, is, that is an amazing... That's, that's one of the best. And what, what Sergio, I think, has um, um, over some of the other guys is that his movies are just... Are just beautifully shot, you know. They're just composed very well, and they're just they're just pretty to look at. Not just because there's a lot of beautiful naked women in them, but uh, he also did Slave of the Cannibal God, um, 2019, uh, After the Fall of New York, another great, amazing Jalo film called Case of the Scorpion's Tail. Definitely check that one out. Um, so 
So yeah, so torso I think just kind of falls into the middle. I, I still think it kind of stands out because the look of the killer is unique. Um, a lot of the mm. shallow films didn't necessarily always have like a masked killer. Like mo a lot of times, you didn't even see the killer because everything was was POV. Um, uh, you know the 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 saw, even though unrealistic. Um, was a unique weapon that was presented in in Jalo films, um, so I think that's kind of where maybe Torso stands out amongst amongst a lot of the others. But uh, but don't get me wrong, it's a great movie. It's it's an awesome movie. It's it's a really great a great example of Jalo film, um, and I'm just saying you know there's even better out there to experience. So maybe we should do a Jalo episode oh one of gosh. these days. That'd be awesome. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, so this one, I mean, this one, I, I, I always felt like maybe it's more nostalgia for me than anything else because of my love for that trailer. Thank uh -huh. you, Mad Ron's preview from hell. But, um, Mad Ron's is on Netflix, you know that? I know, isn't that crazy? That crazy? Mad yeah. Ron's preview from hell. So yeah, if you've never seen Mad Ron's preview from hell, check it out on Netflix. Yeah. Um, it is... It it is hands down, I think, the greatest compilation of trailers ever put together. Um, because the wraparound with it is fun. Yeah, if you wanna um, understand Mike's comedy <laughs> the wraparound guy. Yeah. Guy. So so yeah. So yeah, and then the kills are, are are fun in this, you know. They talk about how the killer just strangles his victims with the scarf, but you know, there's usually a little, there's a, little, a bit of um, um, carnage that happens after he kills them with the saw. And gouges, the, gouges their eyes out. Yeah. Um, some of the effects don't really hold up. Like, uh, there was one close up shot of him cutting into a torso, and it's torso, and it's blatantly obvious a mannequin because you could see, like, cracks in the paint as the knife is going through it. Like skin doesn't mannequin. skin doesn't mannequin. crack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but the hey, shot where the car runs the guy into the wall. There's one, one of those shots. That hit is not good at all. No, no, no. Some of it's really good, and the after the way they end that scene's great. Yeah, but there's a shot in the middle of that scene. I think Sergio had a friend who was in the mannequin making business or not something. <laughs> you help me get rid of these mannequins. That's right. So yeah, so yes, thank you, Andy, Andy, for putting Torso on the list. It was fun funny enough. This one. one of the one of my uh, close choices was Mother of Tears because I've owned that forever, but I've avoided watching it. It's not as bad as everybody says. I actually like Mother of Tears. Does it hold up to Suspiria or Tenebrae? No, not by. Wait, is it Tenebrae? I always forget. Inferno. Inferno. Damn it! I knew I had it wrong. Inferno. It doesn't hold up to either of those films, but it's not bad, especially for later Argento. Um, I think it stands out versus like some of his other crap, like The Card Player or Dracula, Dracula 3D, or um, was The Phantom of the Opera with Julia Sands. Oh my God, that's bad. Anyway, sorry. Torso. Torso. So, yeah. Um, Let's see a transition this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Here comes the segue. <laughs> somebody who has a... <laughs> somebody I think of um, uh, with a really big torso. 
<laughs> is uh, crap, and I'm forgetting um, the actress name right now. <laughs> this is so smooth. This is good. Uh, George C. <laughs> Scott. He's got a really big torso in um, Exorcist Three. So, <laughs> Tad, let's talk about your pick. Well, th- this is I don't know. Technically, Unwrapped doesn't quite cover this one because it. I have the, the like Exorcist Blu-ray set, and it's been unwrapped, so I could watch the first movie several times. But I have yet to watch up until this episode. You know any of the sequels? Actually, I've never seen a single Exorcist sequel. But I wanted to watch this one because Scream Factory did a special edition. I've always heard it's the best sequel it's one of those that's mentioned whenever people get into the typical argument of uh, all sequels are bad it's it's mentioned up there with aliens and halloween 2 and terminator 2 so i finally had a reason to put this one out there this one seemed like the best option out of everything i had that was uh mm-hmm. I, yes, I way better than monstered i had monstered i had live feed i had uh what else do I have? Zombie honeymoon. I have I have some others, but this one I I felt like um, I hoped it lived up to the expectations, and I enjoyed I enjoyed this one quite a bit. I'm glad I own it. I'm glad I watched it. I'll probably, you know, th- this is rewatchable. But uh, basically, the story picks up after the original Exorcist, uh, 17 years later. Ignores the second movie, which I haven't seen, which I'm happy with, you know, because I feel like. Anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're listening to this, you've seen The Exorcist. Uh, I feel like my mom, like everybody has seen The Exorcist, right? I mean, yeah. not just you guys, but like everybody. Uh, yep. And yeah, especially if you're listening to this. But uh, it's it's cool that it picks up right after the first, ignores, ignores the sequel. Apparently, uh, the second one's pretty bad. I don't know. That's, I haven't seen it. It's definitely got a reputation. Yeah, but this one was actually directed by William Peter Blatty, who wrote the first one, and this one was, uh, he wrote the original Exorcist as a novel, and then he wrote the screenplay, and then he wrote this, was hoping to get um, William Friedkin back to direct, but he left the project, so then he directed it himself. I don't know how well this did at the box office. Do you guys... Yes. No, it's history. Didn't oh. do well, I'm guessing. Not super well. It did. Well, it did 26 million. That's all I can tell you. I don't. I don't see the budget here. But. Well, this is not necessarily really connected to the first film either. It other than you know it picks up in the storyline, but it's uh, what I like about it is not about Reagan, which you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to somehow expand the story and not make it about what the first movie was completely about. You know, they had to figure out a way, not necessarily had to, but they figured out a way to make a great movie that's not centered around Reagan. It follows the lieutenant from the first movie and he's uh, investigating some creepy murders happening in uh, like a church. There's some some really dark, creepy scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh some great performances, really cool, interesting story about this serial killer, sort of Zodiac-like, the Gemini killer, uh, start to think that 
you know, this the, basically the Gemini killers they they think is dead, but this guy in the uh, insane asylum they start to who says he is the Gemini killer and start interviewing him, and we find out you know that this this uh, he claims that the Gemini killer has the soul has entered in this body and is then the the sort of uh, is possessed obviously because it's exorcist and then <laughs> leaving the body and possessing other bodies in this uh, asylum and killing more people and man there's some really really creepy stuff and this has like I said some really good performances notably Brad Dorif who's awesome in everything yeah. oh yeah as the Gemini killer and I think he really makes this so much better. I mean, I feel like I see him in something. I'm, I've just got to check it out. He's one of the few guys that I just absolutely love in everything. So uh, I don't I don't necessarily want to spoil the whole ending of this if you guys haven't seen it because I highly recommend it. But, uh, yeah, really cool. I don't, I'd like to see the director's cut to see how different it is after reading that they the studio sort of forced him to add an exorcism scene at the end and sort of change up the ending ha- has anybody seen the director's cut i don't no, know i have not Cause no because this is my first time seeing this movie too i think uh screen factory was the first to put out the actual director's cut hmm. which i think is just sort of re-edited and uh has some of the the original footage put back into it so that would be f- now. I sort of want, I, I do want to definitely check out the director's cut. I've heard some mixed reviews on that, but the uh, fanfare for this movie came from the theatrical cut. So what we watched was the one that people seem to really like. But the uh, scene with the nurse with the giant oh, like fuck, yeah. scissors, yeah, yeah. legendary scene. Yeah, and I I hadn't seen the movie, but I had seen this seen several times and i knew it was coming and it still got me so yeah that was a cool scene i I liked how they yeah how they tied it into the first film how father karis wasn't actually dead he's just been like in a coma all these years and but so he was still possessed this whole time just the the demon lay dormant because he was in this coma until the demon was able to bring him out of this coma. So it was cool getting to see uh, Jason Miller kind of show back up yeah. a little bit in the film. That was neat. Um, I am sad that I did not see this when it came out back in 1990. Because I feel like I would probably have loved this movie a lot more than I do watching it in 2019. Because hmm. there's wait, it's 2019. It is 2019 oh, now. Um, because there's certain scenes that I felt like I've seen over and over and over again and done way better. Like the scene where the old lady's crawling on the ceiling. Yeah. Wow. That scared the fuck out of me. I it don't was, know what you're talking about. It's pretty cool, but I've seen that in other films that I thought were way creepier. Like mm-hmm. I almost thought like. You could have taken out the score and put in yakety sax, and it would have been a, a funny, funny scene. Oh, no. you know, no way. Really? I don't know. I thought oh. I thought I've seen it done. I, re- I rewound it just to watch it again. It was so fucking scary. Huh? To me, I don't know. yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying because it's just sped up just a little, and so yeah. you 
Yeah. I thought it was comedic. But. Well, and it's like, it's it's brightly lit, and it's just, I don't know. I've well, seen... I, and I, I think that's what scares me about it, is that it was out in the open, and it was unexpected. It definitely was unexpected, but I, I know I've seen, I've seen old people moving in supernatural ways in other film in a thousand other films since 1990 that I think have done it creepier so I'm saying if I would have seen this back oh, in yeah, 1990 yeah. it I would have shit my pants yeah is what I'm saying well if I would have seen this in 1987 I would have shit my pants cuz I would have been 2 years old <laughs> And I'd if, be shitting my pants. <laughs> like you stopped I, when you were two. Come on. <laughs> if I would have saw it in 1990, I would have been 10. And I probably would have got thrown out of the theater. Ah, uh, you young pups. Whatever. I know I saw this movie way back then, at least in the 90s. Um, and I remember loving it then. So I had seen it before. And I watched it twice this weekend just because it was so fun. Or I liked there, it. There is a little, I I just wanted to say that there's actually a lot of uh, horror royalty in this, uh, other than Brad Dorif and Jason Jason Miller. Um, Scott Wilson played Doctor Temple. God Hell rest yeah. his Her, Herschel on Scott Walking Wilson. Dead. That's right. And yeah, the, I'm ever seeing his name in the credits. Yeah. The the nurse with the shears, that's Vivica Linfers, and you may recognize her from Creep Show, the Father's Day segment. Oh, yeah! Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just for celebrity status, uh, did anybody notice Fabio in the Dream Show? No, I yeah. did. Yeah. I did. Okay. And that was another one of those scenes, like, it was cool... But it didn't. I didn't find it as creepy as I felt like it was supposed to be for me. It felt. Yeah. It almost again. It almost kind of felt comical because it was like a well, big yeah. giant waiting room and like angels well, with my, like stereotypical giant wings and. Well, yeah, but my mind goes to I can't believe it's not butter commercials. Yeah, and then you got Fabio gosh. there. Like that yeah. it took me way out of the scene. But the 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 African American angel that's dealing cards, I noticed him right away. That's Patrick Ewing from the New York yep. Knicks. Yep. <laughs> Holy okay. shit! And, really? And the fact that this movie takes place in Georgetown, that's where he played yep. uh, college ball. Man, that's his alma 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 mater. Excuse me. I was just like, wow, that kind of oddly ties together. Yeah. It's weird. I think. Probably one of the creepier scenes for me was right there at the beginning, which I was assuming was a dream as well. When the eyes open on the fucking... Oh, go ahead. No, just the empty streets and the POV of going down the street and coming across the the kid with the rose. And just this like, I don't know, just this like a weird atmosphere where there's just nobody in the streets and something menacing is going on. You know, and there's the clouds and whatnot, and just off in the distance, you see somebody you can't quite make out running, running um, from side street to side street through the frame. You know, that happens a couple times. I'm like, what's this, what's this person running from? What's going on? You know, and we there's, have no context of anything. There's something very, very off-putting when there's this extreme desolation in an urban area. Oh, yeah, that always creeps there's me out. I just, love it. Yeah, it's it's very, it's very effective. 
I love it. I, it, it. Even so much so that I like going to like, you know, like on Christmas Day or something, getting in the car and driving to like, you know, the mall or the parking lot of the movie theater or whatever, where there's just like, where it's like, normally this would be a full parking lot, but right now it's yeah. completely dead and no one's around. It's a, it's a cool, creepy feeling. I love it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of imagery, you know, a lot of... It feels experimental in a way, you know, these dream sequences. It just seems so weird for an Exorcist movie. But, you know, I feel... But you're like, I feel like this means stuff, you know? And I don't know. It was pretty neat. I love George C. Scott, man. He... I'll watch him in anything. I thought he was great. It was it was Brad Dorf that stole the show for me. There was a couple moments where I where I'm like, ah, George, come on, you know. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. His, I mean, I appreciate out his. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I just want to say that uh, George C. Scott's pissy outbursts with him pounding on the desk. I couldn't help but laugh. It is yeah, I think, file. I think <laughs> a couple of those outbursts like, is where I thought it was kind of like he has like, his moves and he does yeah. them, you know, he has yeah. to do them. Uh, yeah. uh, but I do appreciate <laughs> the fact that our main protagonist in this movie is an elderly elderly man. Yeah. You know, there's no young pups in this movie, really. I mean, nope. as far as like what you would expect to see in a 1990s Hollywood production. Yeah, him and Father Dyer, they're both... Both the buddies in the begin, you know, first half of the movie are old folks, some old fogies. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what made uh, Father Dyer's death that much more meaningful because they had such rapport with one another. Like yeah. they were kind of, they were they were buddies that kind of liked to poke and prod and pick on each other, and they had like this this really special relationship. That's what really bummed me out about his death. And he doesn't and break down right away, and it's you're just so it's yeah. like extra hard, yeah. you know. Like he's holding it in, you know. It's killing him, and yeah, that was a cool shot too. Where it was his POV walking down the hall of the uh, of the hospital, and then going into the room, and everybody turning and looking at him, waiting for them to react, and then it, and then it cuts angles where you see you see him standing in the doorway. But that that POV shot yeah. of George C. Scott was really cool. Um, again, I wish I would have seen this in 1990 and not in the year 2019, where like um, there was one moment in the movie that I felt like was a Chucky reference, which probably wasn't because it was 1990 and we didn't there, do references like that back then. But Brad Dorf literally says "child's play," uh -huh. and then and it, it cuts, cuts to, to a shot of the little redheaded red kid. kid. Oh man, I, <laughs> to a, <laughs> yes. oh, I'm not the only one that picked up on that. Good, so perfect. Yeah, couldn't have been. I seemed a little too. I really, really enjoyed. One one thing I really enjoyed is during you know you know that Brad Dorf's character is possessed, but it seems from what I can tell, they tweaked the voice harmonics yep. just a little bit, yeah, to make make it sound possessy, and it wasn't it wasn't like really over to over the top like in the first film where Reagan had like all this bass in her voice toward towards the end. It was it was tweaked just enough to just kind of give it a little bit of eeriness. Did you guys pick up on that a little bit? Oh, big time, definitely. That. Yeah, 
That stood out. Well, his voice awesome changes way. a lot through the through the film. It does. Yep. Yeah. At, one, at one point, he talks like the the old person voice that you hear in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And man, again, like how that man has not. I mean, he's got a great body of work. Yes, a great body of work. But how he has not worked more. How he has not been. I mean, I guess yeah. to look at him, you would never. You he wouldn't be a Hollywood leading man. But he's a freaking great actor. And to have those like long stretches of dialogue sitting there in the straitjacket, talking to George C. Scott was freaking uh, just captivating. Oh, yeah. And as the further he gets into it, just like his emotion escalates, you know, it's just, he's, he's, he's so good. I mean, in anything that I've seen him in, whether it's the comedy stuff that he does or down to the doctor on Deadwood, I mean, he's just fabulous. I think, I think one of the scariest moments for me, obviously, that, I mean, all the time, that damn hospital, that those hallways are just creepy as shit in the way they shoot it. But when they, when they, the nurse gets out and goes to his family's home, mm. and he's racing to get there. Yeah. And then she's not there. Oh, but nope, there she is. <laughs> and then it's revealed I don't know. It was it's weird looking, but that shot where she lunges at the girl with those scissors that scared the holy hell out of me. Yeah, and that whole sequence. It's uh, it's weirdly edited. Um, that whole sequence. Um, uh, oh, I thought that was hilarious when he he gets there and the doorknob's opening and he's got his gun drawn and it's his daughter and he's like oh hi and she's just like oh hi dad he's yeah. standing there with his gun drawn and she's not <laughs> affected at all yeah had you seen it before andy i had seen it like maybe 8 or 9 years ago and i i had just forgotten all about it uh, I'm glad I revisited it. I I enjoyed. It. I think I enjoyed it more this time uh, than I did the last time that I saw it. Uh, I just just noticing all of these great other character actors in it. The the black nurse at the beginning, Nurse Blaine, that's helping Father Dyer is Tyra Farrell. You may recognize her as Ice Cube's mom in Boys in the Hood. Uh-huh. Um, and the other. Um, the other nurse that's George C. Scott, she, she, uh, she's the one that wrapped up uh, George C. Scott's hand after he pasted Brad Dorif one. Uh, that's an actress named Nancy Fish. And I immediately, I was like, where, where the hell have I seen her before? And uh, she, she was uh, Mrs. Peenman from uh, The Mask. She's Stanley Ipkiss's, uh landlord. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But um, and father, father, morning getting peeled off the ceiling with his oh, skin. I'm shit. just like, whoa, because that that was like the first part of the movie where it just really kind of got gory. I mean, all the, all these murders were, you know, pretty much for the most part covered up. It was left to your imagination. 
um, it was very Hitchcockian. You didn't really you didn't really see much. It let your mind you know do the work for you. But then we finally got some you know some real gnarly stuff towards towards the end there. So and and I'm good either way as long as it's a good story. And but yeah yeah I liked it much more this time. Uh, I was I was looking for stuff in the movie theater because you know we're collectors. Yep. And I noticed that there was a Claude Rains on the movie theater lobby card. That's about all that I could find. So, uh, an Invisible Man reference, I guess. So, <laughs> so Tad, you're glad you uh, opened her up. Oh yeah, I'm now. I sort of want to go back and at least watch uh, watch the rest of them just because. But uh, was there? There was like two prequels, right, that came out around the same time, Dom- Dominion and something else. Oh yeah. And they're both in that box set. I think oh. is I remember how weird that was. It was like in the mid 2000s maybe that they both one went theatrical, one didn't, I think. But they're both within like 2 years of each other. Yeah, I don't remember seeing any of the other sequels other than 3. Yeah, I think I I got the box set, like the Blu-ray set that has all of them, and it was like less than twenty bucks. So, heck yeah, yeah. Which version I'm of a, The Exorcist does it have? It has both. Nice. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I I'm a sucker for Can't like pass a set. That up. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't. I I do. They, there's like a I'm surprised Criterion hasn't done The Exorcist, but there's a yeah. like super duper version of it that uh, has. It's like a media book, I think, and it has mm-hmm. both versions, and it has you know a little booklet with it, and has extended special features. I feel like that's one of those movies like Halloween where I can just watch uh, features on it forever and still learn new stuff, or just watch it over and over yeah. again. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, that that forty dollar version or whatever it is, uh, that new Blu-ray big one is. Uh, it's been in my wish list forever. Yeah, hoping to just find it somewhere, you know. But yeah, I love it. Comes with a good for one free exorcism coupon. (laughs) Does it really? (laughs) I don't know. I'd be it'd be nice if it did. I didn't know if it was like a novelty thing or you were being serious. But uh, (laughs) I'm just funny. Just be just being you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just screwing around. Yeah, and. You know, speaking of Exorcist, I always just think of, uh, I probably talk about it too much, but the Exorcist house at Halloween Horror Nights was so fucking cool. Oh, man. So jealous. Because it's, yeah. it's one of my favorites. I mean, it's my number two easy. It's the Exorcist, so I'm sure it was. What was so awesome about it? Uh, I, I'll be honest. Like, when they announced it, I'm like, I love that uh, property, but... I had no idea how they would turn it turn into, it into a into house because it's really a, a movie based on two scenes, like the stairs and the bedroom, you know? Yeah. A lot of people forget when they rewatch it, they're like, oh man, this is, there, there's a lot of slow buildup to that. Oh you know? yeah. Of oh, course yeah. the spider, the spider walk and all that stuff, but yeah. they forget it's not so much about Reagan as it is the priest. So, you know, they, they sort of forget all of that buildup to it, but the house, uh, they did a they made they they incorporated smells into it there was rooms with like 
that all the walls were ma- and ceiling, everything were mat like mattresses covered in puke, and it just smelled like vomit. Oh uh, my gosh! Uh, they they had some kind of yeah. They had rooms, <laughs> they, they had rooms where like they had various stages of the exorcism. So you went in, and you know she was just in bed, or there were scenes where you walked in, and obviously to the conclusion where she's floating, and the priest was throwing the holy water on her and on you. So they had like sprayers in the room, so you're getting like you know drenched with it and. Uh, there was they they incorporated the spider walk scene pretty cleverly where you walked down a hall and they had a I don't even know how they how you really do the effect but there's a sort of wall that looks like a normal wall but when it's lit from the back you see what's behind it hmm. so when you're walking through the, the, the hit like a strobe would hit it and it looked like the spider walk you know she's doing a spider walk down the steps at oh, you man and uh yeah, just really cool stuff like that. I thought they did such a really such a great job for some uh, license. I thought might be really impossible to pull off. They didn't have her peeing on the floor, did they? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Let's I, hope not. No, I don't think so. But I definitely, you know, that's not past them to put something that they did like a dollhouse. I'll never forget the first year I went. They w- did one based on a dollhouse, and it smelled like baby powder and baby shit and it was just gnarly like i'm very i'm very sensitive to smell so much more than like sights or feels or anything smell for some reason bothers me more than anything so the fact that they incorporate that kind of stuff really freaks me out probably had you retching a little bit you know yeah yeah or just not trying to sniff it's like you you do it once and you sort of know to be ready for it next time but uh (laughs) but i yeah that that was a really cool house that and that that was like a standout one that year. I've seen some of the um uh I be, I believe it was on uh Jason Forever or uh, one of those things on Jason Voorhees and they showed like the behind the scenes stuff of the Halloween Horror Nights for Friday the 13th and they had like you know all sorts of many of his you know different kills that he does and they had like a uh, a Volkswagen bug there for uh, like for Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Did you ever go? Did you ever go go to one of those? Or they did the uh, one year I went. They had Freddy versus Jason, which I liked because it wasn't based on. It wasn't actually based on Freddy versus Jason the movie. It was a house that just incorporated both of them, sort of uh, battling within the house, and so like one of the facades you walked into was the Elm Street house and it had, you know, girls in the front yard, uh, jump roping. And then oh, you walk wow. through, yeah, you walk through the lake and they do really cool stuff. Like, uh, you know, put mirrors on the floor to make it look like it's water and they, they can, they're, they're built mostly in sound stages so they can actually make it rain in certain parts of the house where mm. it's not raining in other parts and stuff like that. So, you know, that's just cool in general. I, I do feel like, they sometimes overuse the sort of big big slashers but i've only been going for like five years compared to a lot of people that's not much so i i'm down for a lot you know i i'll let them do michael myers every year i don't care as long as they change <laughs> it up a bit but uh I, I think people sort of get sick of having jason and freddie every year it's mm-hmm. it's been a while i think but they they do unique and sort of original stuff on it most of the time but i i the whole reason I started going to it was just simply because I love sort of being within 
the horror movies you know what i mean like right. as a fan it's nothing really startles me much so it's sort of just going to see authenticity and see what worries what worries me about place uh places like that i have like a really uh sensitive fight or flight response uh because like when i when i get spooked my hands go up <laughs> in, in, in like in fists i mean there's there's been times when danielle i'd be like walking through the house and danielle will will be like be having like a weird dream she'll be like what what and my hands will just go like i'm ready to swing yeah so i'm like i don't want to be i don't want to face a lawsuit just because i'm on vacation <laughs> you know no i completely understand that i'm the and, opposite way where i i like don't even I feel almost bad because I walk through and I don't react at all. And I know those people, like if they if the scare hits me and I don't react, I almost feel like an asshole. Like I want to show them appreciation, you know. But yeah, yeah. And I'm not claiming I'm like a badass or anything. It's just oh like, no, yeah, no. Just, that's what the internet tells us. You know, <laughs> yeah. all the police we've reports seen, we, and we've met you. I mean, we yeah. know you're a badass. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it's because it's, I, 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 the last thing I would ever want to do is like hurt somebody that's trying to entertain me. I mean, for crying out loud. <laughs> cool. All right. So we got one more to go. And I don't have a transition on this. So, Jason, what oh. is your movie that you needed to unwrap? Well, I, I kind of, it's not that I cheated. Not that I cheated. You cheated. I sort of cheated. I mean, but I didn't. I got this movie for Christmas, and like it wasn't <laughs> long after Christmas that this topic came up. And I'm yeah. like, oh, well, it's right here, and I've been dying to watch it, you know, because Tina, Tina got it for me off my wish list. She knew I wanted it, and that's not cheating right it never nah. made it it never made it to the shelves yet or anything so i fortunately <laughs> thank god didn't have to go up there and start pulling out ones that were still in shrink wrap that i haven't seen so i don't have to think about the amount of shrink wrap that's on his dvd and blu-ray shelves hey. of ones i haven't seen that's the part i don't yeah that would be sad to me so i got out, i got out of that guilt feeling anyway but <laughs> But I was also really excited to watch this movie. I've been hearing about it forever since since the beginning of this podcast. Joe Zerrell, uh he he rant and raved about this movie. Yep. And uh so I just never I never found it anywhere in looking, but you know, I never got it myself. But and I didn't have to. So I just got it and opened it and watched it. And it was pretty kick ass. And the title of it is Oh, The Signal <laughs> from night from two thousand seven. There's a few signals out there, but we're talking about the two thousand seven The Signal. Directed by David Bruckner, Dan Bush, and Jacob Gentry. Yeah, so the movie's in three segments and I remember it playing a lot more like an anthology the first time I watched it. I forgot all but... about that until it was damn near over. Yeah, and I'm like, that's right. That's why this feels so different. Totally different from section to chapter section. to chapter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is still one connecting story per se, which is what makes yeah. it cool versus most anthologies. Yeah, but it is an anthology. It's three different directors doing three different segments. 
So that's cool. Yeah. It reminded me of uh, Southbound in its uh, oh, continuity. Yeah. Yep. That's what I liked about it, really. Yeah, yeah I so. liked how it, it, it could be played as one solid story, but like the middle chapter. That middle chapter makes you oh, realize that there's <laughs> chapters. to a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah, so basically it's a horror film told in three parts from three perspectives in which a mysterious transmission that turns people into killers invades every cell phone, radio, and television. And it kind of follows this newfound lovers um, who get separated and try to find their way back to each other. And... I, of course, like that part. Even though she's a cheater. She's a cheater. So it makes it not... It it takes away a little bit of that. This is not to jump in... Not to jump ahead of you here, but this is where I think... After... When I watched it here this time, I'm like, this did not hold up for me. Hmm. And I think it's because of the demographic between the the boy and the girl. And the fact that she's married, she's cheating on him with with this guy... But yet they're the ones that are in love, and like I don't know, I hate it. At the same time, I mean, not that che- there's cheating is never okay, never, and never will be okay, and it's the worst thing you can do. Having said that, AJ Bowen's a fucking dickhead, and like, but is he though, or is it just the signal? It's oh, it's clear, yes, because the way he treated her when she first got home, he didn't know that she was cheating on him. She, he treated her like shit. With like, gave her the third degree, man. Oh yeah, and like was a controlling fucking asshole. And so I didn't. Um, oh, you're saying the signal already did that to him? I'm thinking. I'm saying that that's probably the way it was, and so that's why she was cheating. That's why she wanted to leave him in the first place. She comes home in the middle of the night. Probably not the first time she's done it too, under the circumstances. At what point is it That's okay right. to be like, it's, it's not where a, have you been? What are you doing? Mm, it was more than that. It's not okay to to treat another person. Yeah, it's not okay to be that controlling he knows Because he knows she's freaking lying. Well. And he, did have, he did have the line of the movie, though. What was you that? Almost fucked, you almost fucked my wife. <laughs> but yeah, that that unfortunately took away from what it probably could have been for me more like you're saying if it was a true lo- i mean maybe it, i mean it still is a true love thing but if it was a real and i don't know i think no i strings. needed to see more proof of these this couple's love than them the movie starting off of them in bed together yeah you know what i mean like sex is not love yeah fair enough yeah i, I thought s- their I, ban- I thought their banter was great though and helped give us clue to how well they acted together and but yes not enough of that not enough with her and aj bowen so it was unfortunately a smeared situation that made it yeah made it a little weird as far as uh being able to follow that love part of it i get that Okay, gosh. I'm not Jesus. saying that I'm not saying I hate this movie now. 
It just it just wasn't. I remember the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, this is great. And this time it was like, uh, <laughs> not as great as I remembered it. I love the It's still concept. got some amazing moments and some yeah. cool effects. And again, that middle part is my favorite because it goes full on comedy. But it's dark. The comedy's really oh, dark. Oh, yeah. Fuck, yeah. And it's so quotable. I mean, you there's it's like Linorama, the the whole damn thing. Um Yeah, that scummy little Jim Parsons turd though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just you 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 know he's gonna get it, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was like the, the, the whole bit about it was self defense. You chopped his head off. He had it coming. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just I mean, and that's just one line of of many in that second transmission. I believe they, yeah, the second transmission. Yeah, but it's I, a, it's I, a cool concept, you know. It's just like out of the blue, here's this thing that's fucking it all up, you know. And that's that's scary and cool. <clears throat> Knowing you, what those moments when they would like linger on the single on the TV screen? Or, did oh, you find you yourself trying to look, look away? At yeah, times? hell yeah! <laughs> I wasn't gonna look at it. <laughs> I knew it. There's a feature because I, I do it too. There's a feature on the DVD that's the signal, and it plays. Oh, I'm for not gonna it. watch that. I clicked on not uh, thinking maybe it was something else, and I saw that it was just I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, turn it off, turn it off. I, I remember just like with the ring, and they had the bonus feature of what the oh, video was no, on the tape. That. I'm like, I'm not watching no. that. <laughs> No fucking way. <laughs> That's such a great gimmick, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> so good. Yeah. You know, I wasn't looking at the TV. Fuck that. <laughs> what do you think, Tad? Have you, you hadn't seen it before. I had not seen it before. Uh, I loved the concept. I thought for a... You know, for what it was, I I really enjoyed it. I thought, I don't know, I I didn't get so much bothered by the love story part. I, well, I wasn't aware of the, you know, the idea that it was an anthology in these chapters. I had, I did not read into any of these before I watched them. Yeah. So this, this movie was more than a blind watch. I didn't look at the poster. I didn't look at anything. I I clicked play and went along for the ride. So I didn't had no expectations going in, and I honestly didn't even know it was had different directors until you guys just mm. said so about three minutes ago. So <laughs> uh, I was sort of wondering about the tone. I'm like, yep. you know, the, the second section, like you guys said, is funny. Sort of gave off a Shaun of the Dead vibe. Yeah, like, a lot to me. Them sitting in the place yeah. and the dude wants to party and it's like he's not aware of the fact that it's happening i probably found that bit the most entertaining oh yeah uh but overall there was some times where i was faked out you know when they think that they're seeing somebody and they're not yep. when he thinks that he sees his wife and turns around and the he sees the woman without a face that's oh pretty fuck freaky. Yeah. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. scared the shit yeah. out of me so yeah, so uh, I like this one. I, I this might be, you know, as much as I sort of ripped on uh, the Lost in the Dark. What was that? Was called Lost After Dark. After Dark. Lost After Dark. I keep screwing that up. <laughs> Lost in the uh, Shuffle is what it should have been called. Yeah. Oh. As much as I ripped on that one, like you know, 
I liked everything on this episode. Uh, it's been, yep, me too. you know, this, this was fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's co- it's cool to get four unique takes that, so you're not getting sort of sick of it all being zombies or all seeing this, you know, I don't mind that either, but it's, it's this, you know, these movies really had nothing to do with each other, but, uh, made for a nice, nice little, you know, group of films mer- to watch. Yeah. Yeah. The contrast is, is nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do say that this one has sort of uh, being made in the general time period. I don't know. Even though it was supposed to be like an 80s uh, slasher throwback, it felt they both felt sort of like little indie movies, which is nice. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at, that you guys each chose more th- these two. It's, uh, But yeah, I, I was... After I'd watched it, I looked up the directors and stuff and saw they had done what, like, one of them had done VHS and one had done, uh, mm. <clears throat> so one had done Southbound. And The Ritual. Yeah. That was so, the David Bruckner guy. Yeah. So, cool. I, it's cool to see them move on and do bigger, better things because you can definitely see the seeds growing in this movie. You know, they have the talent and the writing's good and stuff. It's just, uh, a little restricted with budget and stuff, but overall, it was, you know, very good. I I enjoyed the the sci-fi a- aspect of it. It's almost like, uh, um, <coughs> it's it's like an episode of the X Files meets the Purge to me <coughs> a little bit. And yeah. I, just, I thought I thought it was really you know that's I probably, I think that's probably the best way I could just dis- describe it. Um, but yeah, I I dug this. I mean, and like. Like Mike says, I mean the the second transmission is is it's great. It's it's a hoot. Oh. Jason, I want to know how much of a kick in the nuts that that fake out ending was for you. Oh man! Oh, when they found her without the face. No, no, or no. The... the the ending ending where it you know he defeats AJ Bowen and frees her and she comes to and wakes the other guy up and they all leave and it turns it happily ever after and then oh huge spoiler now i should have said that a minute ago but and then none of that actually happened yeah that's that was all just in his vision yeah and then she's still just comatose strapped to that chair yeah that's i mean that's one of the cool things with this movie uh the psych out ability of it and it happened several times. That one's the biggest one. I mean, there are times where I'm like, I don't trust this movie. I don't trust this. Cause, and then maybe it's, oh, oh, shit, that was real. Or, oh, that was somebody's vision on this. Yeah, because I thought it was very effective yeah. from the fact that, honestly, I don't care about these two these two people at all. And the fact Damn. that it still affected me with yeah. that ending. That's so. a nice bummer ending. And yeah. My favorite character was was that guy. The friend? Yeah, the, the friend. Tall friend. The t- oh yeah, he was the t- awesome. The, the tinfoil hat guy. <laughs> Heck yeah. You just you just finished jump starting your head. <laughs> Hell AJ Bowen was freaking great. Oh he was he was I mean I who mean, puts band aids half on their hair like that? You know, that's what Tina wanted to know. Who puts band aids right there? But <laughs> well, he was awesome. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. And just Justin Welburn, uh, the uh, the love interest, correct? Uh, 
uh, I, I, I immediately recognized him from uh, Dance of the Dead. Did you guys oh. ever see that? No, I never Uh-oh. did see that one. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. You should check it out. Not the Dance of the Dead with uh, Robert England, but it's uh, yeah, not the Masters of Horror one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dance of the Dead is actually it's it's pretty damn funny. It's 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 really good. Sweet. Cool. All right. Well, there you go. Those are our movies that we unwrapped, and I think uh, for the most part, we're pretty happy that they are in our collection. Yeah, so. we finally had a reason yeah. to open them. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, we should definitely do this again Just so we to can get, get our more movies movie. open. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one for sequels. All right, so, but it, we're not done yet, folks. That's right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it's going to be segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Hold on tight! You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. We're back. Did you miss us? It's segment's time now here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. It's time for everybody's favorite segment, Shoutouts. It's time for... Shoutouts! That's right, everybody's favorite segment. So yeah, we just asked, uh, <coughs> you know, if you're willing to admit it, you know, what movies have you not seen that's still all wrapped up on your shelf? And a few of you answered over on the Facebook. We got Eric Cox says, Here are my three, V for Vendetta, Pan's Labyrinth, and Overboard. Although I've seen Overboard. Well, then that doesn't count. But has not watched Pan's Labyrinth, I know, Jason. I gave him shit instantly. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you gotta see it. And he's like, I'll try to get past the subtitles. That's the holdup? Oh, come on. I know, right? Come on, Eric. Eric, Eric. Donna Nelly says, Chrome Skull laid to rest. I hear that series is good. I've heard that yeah. too. Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I like it. I've got them both. Nightmare Castle, Castle of Blood, Terror Creatures from the Grave, Triple Disc from Severin. Sweet. The Paul Nashi Collection, Volume 2. Mm-hmm. And Tremor 6, A Cold Day in Hell, for me, he says. That's on DVD? <laughs> well, I didn't, it's, a, it's a Netflix original, so I didn't know. Well, they do put stuff out. I guess they do. Sometimes. They must have. Uh, Brian Clark, you remember that kid? <laughs> he says, uh, uh, I haven't seen before, narrows it down significantly. <laughs> uh, Dark Age, the vintage exploitation starring John Jarrett. Soul Tangler. Oh, interesting. Huh, what a cool movie that is. That's that cool that you picked later. it up. Yet, yeah. haven't watched it. Maybe, 
Maybe keep listening. Yeah. Maybe be encouraged to listen. Maybe. To watch it. Uh, we got Werewolf Woman. Werewolf Woman. Corruption. The 1983 sexploitation. Not the Peter Cushing one. Count Dracula's Great Love. House of the Living Dead. Liquid Sky. Threads. The Nuclear Ooh, Holocaust nice. documentary. I've actually seen Count Dracula's Great Love. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It's, it was on an Elvira DVD. Nice. Vampiros Lesbos. Brian hasn't seen Vampiros Lesbos? No, I think really? I have even seen... I'm shocked. Whoa. I've got the CD soundtrack to that. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, I do too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got Bloodthirsty... His list just keeps... Brian, you gotta... <laughs> Let's get this guy an X-Acto knife or something for... No, I love it because I want to I know more of his collection. <laughs> That's the main thing. You just want the collection. Uh, Bloodthirsty Butchers, Bat Without Wings, and... That's cur- called a mouse. <sighs> <laughs> Curse of the Living Corpse. Damn it, I haven't seen any of those except for Vampires Lesbos. Aha! Well, he has all these on DVD or some media, but still shrink-wrapped. Come on, Brian, let's get to it. Let's get watching. We got <laughs> Jacob McLaughlin... I think the Wild Bunch and the Maltese Falcon are the only two left on my shelf. Uh, come on, Jacob. Those are freaking awesome movies. And that's a pretty barren shelf of the only I two know. movies that's on your good. shelf. You know what he meant. Oh. You know, the Wild Bunch is awesome. So we went good. through a hardcore Sam Pickenpaw phase. Um, oh, I remember that, back. too. It was great. Yeah. I've actually read the Maltese Falcon. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah, I had to. It was for class. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got Chris KC Driver says, pretty much TV seasons I haven't got to yet. I'm getting there. Okay, don't tell us then. <laughs> uh, Jerry all Wa- the TV. <laughs> all, the, all the TV. Jerry Wattendorf says, none. I buy and watch as soon as I get home. Not going to waste money. Good for you, Good sir. Good for you, Jerry. I wish... It's I don't know is it the collector's impulse overtakes the reality of like I don't have time to watch these I can't I like I got to have this disc now I have to buy things definitely I'll the find out time to watch I don't it know, I, I think it is de- definitely collector's impulse yeah but I don't know what it ke- what keeps you from watching them um, that's the yeah. only thing that's that thing. I can't put my finger on yet cuz it's a thing yeah, it's a thing there's a lot of you rewatch a lot of things versus oh, yeah. a new thing. Oh yeah, I've watched Neon Maniacs more times than people have watched all their movies in their life. <laughs> but yet, I just now opened Life After Dark oh, my God. season. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll Lost figure it out Dark. in one of these episodes. Uh, we got Tim Lennerer. He says, I've... Got still in the shrink wrap copies of Lawrence of Arabia and Jiggly on my shelves, and I honestly don't know which one's going to get seen first. Definitely Jiggly. Jiggly. Yeah. Because it's shorter for you. Brian McNeil says, I'm with Jerry, although I have a copy of Halloween 3 still shrink wrapped in the VHS because I have it on DVD. Well, that doesn't count. Jerry and Brian, good for it's you. It's still shrink-wrapped. Mm. Watching shit. 
Jack Christensen says, I spit on your grave. I've seen a cut version of it years ago, but I just haven't been in the right mood to crack it open yet. What's a cut version mean? Like the trailer? <laughs> there must be a, a Deadpool version of I Spit on Your Grave. <laughs> well, is it's it the, 30 is seconds it the original? I think, yes. Uh, uh, Nick oh. Leadham asks, bathtub scene's great, assuming it's the original. Jack says, yeah, the original. That's so okay. sweet, it stings. Dude, watch it. It's it's a rough watch, but watch it. Come on. It's a classic. And uh, Nick chimes back in with his list. He says, I take almost all of my films out of shrink wrap immediately to inspect the discs. Some horror movies that have been on my shelf <clears throat> that I haven't seen yet, though. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Oh, Nick. Come on, Nick. The Phantasm Collection. I've only seen the first two. Nick! You can skip five. Ravagers yeah, skip five. Come on. Coma with a K. I don't know what that Coma is. Coma with a K? K-O-M-A. Mm, don't know that one. Suffocation. Ring you. Ring you. Oh, That's, come on. Watch that one too, buddy. Yeah, I've, uh, we, yeah, I prefer the Japanese ring to the American for sure. You would. Okay, a Gamera collection. What? I know. And Nightbreed director's cut. Waiting on a chance to watch the theatrical cut again first. Haven't seen it since I was a kid. Oh man, the the new version is so cool. It's so cool. As a fan of the original. It's sort of funny it brings up a point. Um, I have some movies that are on my (laughs) shelf that are in shrink wrap that I have seen because uh, I don't want to get up and pull out the physical disc, and it's str- if it's streaming, I'll just watch that instead. <laughs> I There was a time where we were talking about Exorcist 3, and I'm like, is he going to fucking watch it on Shutter or actually open his disc? What's he going to do? <laughs> what do you think I did? I'm leaning towards Shutter now. <laughs> Tad? <laughs> Tad, you didn't open your movie? What's the point That's, of this fucking episode? Uh, hey, hey do, you not re- do you not remember my explanation uh, that it was technically already unwrapped because it was part of a box uh, set, and I already unwrapped it to bastard. watch part one, so... You cheater, cheater. And you wore yourself out taking off that, <laughs> that shrink wrap. Uh, <laughs> wow. I never said it. You guys are just jumping on me and assuming that I <laughs> watched it. You don't have to say it. You, you know it. Don't even. You're not denying it. <laughs> you aren't. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my gosh. He says, I bought a, Nick says, I bought a copy of a Drive-In Cult Classics collection for Trip with the Teacher, but I doubt I'll ever get around to seeing all the other films. Yeah, I have several of those sets, too. Then I'm like, I'm not watching all these now. He says, side note, some of those date so far back they were purchased from Insane's Asylum. Woot <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's where the cool kids used to shop. And then Brian, of course, jumps back in. Which Gamera collection? <laughs> I mean, they're all, they're all great, but you're sitting on the High Side Trilogy? Bump that sucker to priority number one. <laughs> So you said Gamera, like, <laughs> I, I heard Brian going, what? Yeah, right, exactly. Like, he did, it just, his, 
His Godzilla signal went off. <laughs> he wasn't even on Facebook. <sighs> and then lastly on Facebook, uh, Emily Krauss says, My Porky's Trilogy. You know, I love part one, but I don't think I've ever seen the other two. What? There's, there, there's a third Porky's? Yeah. Yeah, what was the name of that one? Um, Porky's, Re- Porky's Revenge. Porky's Revenge, that's right. Wow. Because Porky's 2 is the next day, right? Yeah. Okay. And Porky's Revenge, uh, he actually rebuilds his casino, and it's on a riverboat now. I might have seen (laughs) 2. I know I definitely have not seen 3. But I love the original Porky's. Bob Clark. Clark. Yeah. Any any chance to talk about Bob Clark? That's right. You know he made children play with dead things, right? Yes, I know. Yep. Black Christmas. He, he made children play with dead things. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Well, uh, we didn't have I, any. What? Here, here, here's a shout out from me. Oh, when I haven't watched uh, Collapse. You sh- is it on your <laughs> shelf still in shrink wrap? You jerk. Yep. <laughs> <God damn it. laughs> yeah, I noticed you didn't say that in your list. Son of a bitch. I wasn't gonna make you watch your own movie. Yeah, why didn't you? We had have been one less I had to watch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we lived it. We <laughs> yeah. Damn it, you need to watch that. Or don't. Actually, what I did is I went up and down my shelves and I like pulled out the ones, <laughs> like sort of just pulled, pulled them out bit. slightly so yep. they stick out. So I'm just going to leave them out and they'll annoy me until I watch them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good plan. That is a good plan. Or you push them back in, one of the two. Right, right. Now, a couple, actually, I pulled out. I have this weird um, thing. I'll send a picture of, of it later. <laughs> that I have this small stack of, like, five movies that I always keep on deck. And it's, like, my uh, to-watch pile that's right next to my Blu-ray player. And uh, there's some on there that I just put back because they were there were Christmas ones on there I didn't get to. So they went back. Mm. But uh, I'll, add it, I'll have to add it to that pile because that's, like, the... It's really gonna happen, pile. So <laughs> Mike does that too. Oh yeah, there's a lot of stacks. But it's yeah, my stacks are usually way more than five. So that and it just ends up I don't get to any of them because I can't decide one. So out of guess 20. what? I'll watch Neon Maniacs again. Woo, Neon Maniacs! And uh, that's why you make the stacks like five because that's realistic, you know. Yeah, Mike. no, you're right. You're right. You're not wrong. And as you you watch one, you you replace it with another one. So you know, there's always about that many. Can I have a second stack that goes into the first stack once I get through one of the five? I think that might help me. Uh, well, that's all yeah. the shout-outs for today. <laughs> Nothing on Twitter or Instagram. Um, but you can always give us a call on our voice, leave us a voicemail on our hotline. It's, you can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us a voicemail, we'll play it on the show. Hear your voice spread to thousands and thousands and thousands of tens of listeners. And <laughs> that's shout outs. But oh, wait, we're not done. Now it's time for everyone's favorite segment Insane's Picks. <laughs> Okay, so how Jason um, cheated at his pick for this episode because um, he got it for Christmas and it didn't even make it to his shelf. 
Um, I too picked a movie for Insane's Picks of a movie I got for Christmas. Thanks to my good buddy old pal Jason. Yeah, it's um, shocking that it got opened. I'll dude, be honest. It's I, this movie. I know. <laughs> my Insane's Picks for this episode. Here you go, Brian. From nineteen eighty seven. Soul Tangler. Directed by New York filmmaker Pat Bischow. See, some history here. Uh, when we first started our film company, Prescribed Films, um, we reached out to other filmmakers on the internet. This is back in the day of MySpace and, you know, shit like that. Uh, one that I quickly formed a friendship with was New York filmmaker Pat Bischow. Uh, Pat writes, produces, and directs his own films under the name of his uh, company, Amusement Films. Check him out at amusementfilms.com. Um, and back then, we used to send each other's uh, sent each other tapes in the mail of our work, and I quickly became a fan of 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 Pat. Uh, he sent me some of his uh, films, uh, like The Adventures of Alphanetico and Go Girl. Yeah, yeah, Girls, uh, Girls from Harm. Oh yeah, and and many of other many other things, other films, uh, music videos, and trailers to some of his stuff. Uh, one of the trailers on one of the tapes that he sent me was of his first film called Soul Tangler. And I thought the trailer was awesome. But he would not send me a copy of this movie. Uh, I got the impression he was kind of embarrassed by it. Um, and then over the years, unfortunately, I've lost touch uh, with Pat. Uh, but still, I'm a huge fan of his work. And I've always wanted to see Soul Tangler. Thanks to Shudder... Um, when we first got Shutter, boom, what's on there? Freaking Soul Tangler. So that's like one of the first things I watched. Um, and after watching it, I could not wait to add it to my collection, my Pat Bischow collection. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wish was all on DVD. All the stuff I have is on VHS. But uh, um, So for Christmas this year, Jason got me the DVD um, remastered release of Soul Tangler uh, from uh, a. AGFA American Film Archives and Bleeding Skull. Uh, the story of the Soul Tangler, a mad scientist, Dr. Anton Lepsky, uh, invents a drug that can free the soul of the user and allow them pos to possess the bodies of any corpse through their eyes. Now, the only problem is that there are side effects causing fatal hallucinations that can leave those left utterly insane. Uh, Kim Castle is a reporter who gets caught up in the doctor's madness, and it's up to her to stop him. Uh, this film is is way different than Pat's other films, other his other body of work. Uh, it's definitely got a lot of gore in it and stuff, and he he um, got away from that from that stuff rather quickly with his later stuff. His other stuff is falls more into the camp realm intentionally, um, you know, and uh, like '60s and '70s nostalgia. And more comedy and and stuff like that. <clears throat> um, however, you can still see his style within this film. Um, it's extremely low budget. Uh, with its extremely low budget and padded running time and limitations, it gives gives the whole film like this dreamlike quality to it. Uh, the acting is rough, really rough. Um, but I also feel it fits the quality of the film. Uh, there are moments in the film that really drag on due to Pat having to film extra stuff to pad out the hour and 33 minute running time uh, for distribution. And if you've seen uh, other stuff from Pat, 
Um, running time is not really a concern for him. He wants to get in and tell his stories and get out. So he, he's not concerned about making sure it fits like the hour and a half format or if he's doing like his series fitting like a half an hour TV format or something along those lines. <clears throat> um, he he just want, makes what he wants to make and what, uh, what he wants to make, and that's what I admire about the guy. So, um, But the distributor wanted a full hour and 33 minutes, so he had to go back and shoot some new stuff and really and it really you know put a lot of filler into this film um so so there are moments that the film really drags because of that uh the dvd um even contains the actual director's cut of the movie which is only 62 minutes running time making it the first time ever that i have seen a director's cut that's actually shorter than the (laughs) distributed cut (laughs) There are a lot of uh, super fun gore effects, especially in the film's uh, f- uh, film's uh, finale uh, within the doctor's lab. That makes it look like a poor man's reanimator. And there's a corpse that comes to life that's missing half of its head, a uh, disembodied brain with its eyeball still attached, wiggling around. Uh, great looking low budget zombies that don't get enough screen time. Um, my favorite actor in his. In his film, in this film, and in all of Pat's films, is his regular uh, Luis Millman, who plays the doctor's assistant, possible love interest. Um, she always brings this like unique presence to each performance she gives in Pat's movies, and it's always a treat to see her show up in each one of his in each, each one of his projects. Um, that, and she's also overall the best and best trained actor that Pat has in his acting troupe. Uh, this movie is crazy and goes way off the rails, especially in the third act. Um, um, it's it's way exposition heavy right away at the beginning, but I really like how he handles it. It's not just a talking head giving an info, info dump. I mean, it's it's definitely there's a lot of dialogue, but it's done in voiceover. It's done with with news reporters and, and, and stock footage of things, and, and he does it in a really unique way that I think even still that adds to some of its dreamlike quality of the overall film. Shot in 16mm, uh, the transfer looks way better than it ever, ever had any right to look. Um, it's presented in its original 1.33 aspect ratio and uh, recreated from the original... Uh, one-inch tape transfer. See, it was shot in 16 and edited um, on videotape. Uh, great special features. So this DVD is such a, is so much fun. It's chock full of great stuff, like Pat's um, overly apologetic director's commentary, uh, the original trailer, the 62-minute director's cut, like I talked about, um, behind-the-scenes footage, the trailer to the movie and a trailer to one another of Pat's films called Dead, Dead of Night Town, which I haven't seen that one either, and the music video to, to a, uh, a music video that Pat directed for the band Hypno Love Wheel and their song Wow. And um, Jason knows that video. I put that on an insane, insane sound loop, but it was from like the bootleg VHS that Pat gave me of that music video. So it's really cool to see a nice, clean... Nice transfer of this music video um so it's a very fun disc it's got a really cool cover to it with the alternate cover on that you can flip around the inside great new artwork yeah the artwork is really cool looking um uh cool liner notes so it's it's a hell of a dvd um 
I would highly recommend checking it out. Brian, open that disc up and sh and watch it. Again, it drags on, and the acting's not great, but I love the grittiness of the 16 millimeter and the DIY of the whole part of it um, of the of the whole thing. And it's definitely worth it for some some of those cool effects at the end, some of those fun over the top gore effects at the end. So um, definitely check it out. The Soul Tangler. Yeah, I was excited to ask you how the transfer was on this, I'm, but I'm not sure you've watched it on a good TV or not, or just the. No, you're right. There. I've only watched it in the kitchen twice, okay. <laughs> once with director's commentary, <laughs> once without. Okay. Um, maybe I'll pop it in here in the living room uh, on the nice TV and watch that 62. I'm dying to watch the 62 a minute director's cut, but I wanted to make sure I get a better feeling for the uh, right the just. I mean, it has to be better. I. You know, old yeah. bootleg VHSs and oh yeah, oh clearly. by far. I mean, it's it's. I don't know where um, Shutter got their transfer from, but it, it, I think it looks better than That's what Shutter had. So cool! Yay! Yeah. Anywho, that's it for this episode. Uh, man, it was a fun episode. We need to do more, mm -hmm. uh, more unwrapping, more unwrapping for sure, more. Well, more experimental themes like this it was pretty cool, kind of mixing things up a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but I want to thank everybody out there for listening. Uh, also, special thanks out there to the Patreon supporters. Don't forget, you can also support us. Uh, uh, pick your tier by going to Patreon.com/backslash/aotkp. And we will talk to you again on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Later. Bye's. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast.